So, let's pray before we open God's Word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are love. And from all eternity, you are so full of love and joy that you decided to expand your family and include us. So you made us in your image to enjoy your love and joy forever. Thank you. And when we had sinned against you, you determined to save us. Thank you, Father, for planning it. Jesus, thank you for carrying out the plan. Holy Spirit, thank you for applying that plan and drawing us to Jesus. We're here to say thank you for loving us so. We're here today because we are a needy people. You know our needs, meet our needs. Lord, we're here to hear your word, so forgive the one who speaks for his sins or many. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus. Show us Jesus. Teach us about Jesus so that lost people could be one and believers could be built and workers equipped. Lord, we're here because we recognize our greatest need as people and families and a nation is for you. And so we're praying for a revival. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Lord, fill us, fill us with your love and joy today so that as we leave here, we might overflow into the lives of others. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, our scripture reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 3. If you're new, we believe the Bible is God's word. And when we gather together, we lo love to open it up and, and read. And so today we're going to read from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Now, today's message is going to be incredibly simple, very simple. And the point of today's message, which comes right from this, is to put on love. And I'm going to give you not only the point right away, but the action step as well. And the action step is very simple, put on love. That's what we're going to be talking about today, to, to put on love. So as we think about that, why did the lion, why did the lion break up with his girlfriend? She was a cheetah. Hey, I like you a whole lot better than the first service, okay? They were so flat. Uh, here's another one. Why? I'm enjoying this. Why do the artists, why do artists often fall for, why do artists often fall for their models? Because they love them with all their art. Hey, I love you guys. You guys respond. Man, that first service, that was a tough crowd there, okay? Um... Listen, the Bible says to, to put on love, and, and it seems pretty simple, so why don't we just do that and go home? Uh, I love a guy, and here's what he said. He said, to love the world for me is no chore. My only problem is the guy next door. It's true, isn't it? It's easy to love the world, but, but the guy next door, that's really, really hard, isn't it? So I'm going to ask you, who is it in your life, who is it in your life that you find incredibly hard to love? I don't say it out loud, but, but who is it? 
And listen, if you'll stay awake and we learn to put on love, I think you're going to find a way to love those difficult people in your life. And if you can't think of any difficult people in your life, maybe you're that one that others find hard to love, right? Uh, put on love. Or, or maybe, maybe you're having a hard time following Jesus. He's calling you to do something and you're struggling. Maybe it's tithing or maybe forgiving and it's really hard. Or maybe there's a sin in your life and you want to overcome it, but you're really struggling. Pay attention because what we're going to learn is that love, it's love that, that really frees us to follow Jesus, that it's putting on love that enables us to overcome sin. Or maybe for you, there's someone that you love and you want to share Christ with them because you want to see them come to faith in Christ, but you always find out you're a little too afraid. Listen, stay awake because when we put on love, it's the love of Christ that moves us out, that moves us out to want to share him with others. So if you're new, <clears throat> welcome. And, and we're walking through a book in the Bible called Colossians. And Colossians, we're walking through it because many people believe it's the most Jesus-filled book in all the Bible. And if you'd like to know Jesus, come back next week. Each week we open up the Bible and look at Jesus together. And, and previously on Colossians, where we are, we've learned in the last few weeks that a Christian is someone in whom Jesus lives that a Christian is someone who's invited Jesus to come and live in them. And we've learned that when Jesus moves in, he looks in our closet and he says, we need an extreme wardrobe makeover. And so he starts going through our closet and grabbing some of our old clothes and he starts throwing them out. And so we spent a week and we looked how Jesus wants us to put off, right? To put off certain thought patterns and certain words and certain deeds. And after he throws all of our stuff out, he fills the closet with all these new clothes for us to put on. And last week we learned how to put on compassion. Wow, what a beautiful thing to get up and put on compassion. Hasn't it been a great week? We learn that compassion is an emotional response to the needs of others that moves us to action. And so we've been learning how to put on compassion. Jesus, help us to see people like you see people. Help us to feel for people like you feel for people. Help us to move toward people like you do. Uh, and then today we're going to learn how to put on love. How to put on, next week we're going to learn how to put on peace. Wow, wouldn't our culture like a few more people who know how to live in peace? Don't miss it. Put on love. Don't you want to? And listen, if you say, well, you don't want to, don't the people around you, they want you to, don't they? Aren't they praying for you that you would put on love? So as we look at verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love, it makes me want to ask three questions. First of all, if we want to put on love, what is love? I mean, we need to know what love is if we're going to put it on. So what is love? And then secondly, how do we put on love? And then thirdly, what would it look like in our lives if we put on love? So what is love? How do we put on love? And what would our lives look like if we put on love? So let's start with what is love? Now notice verse 14, beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. He's listed all of these virtues, all of these virtues like compassion, humility, and kindness. And he says, love is what unites them all together into one virtue of love. To me, when I read that, it reminded me of sunlight. Don't you love the sunlight? But then when you take a prism, when you take a prism, then you can divide the sunlight into all these amazing colors, right? And so it is that if we look at love from different angles, what do we see? We see compassion, right? 
And we see kindness, which is treating people the way we'd like to be treated. And we see humility, thinking of others more and ourselves less. And gentleness, we think of strength under control. And we see patience, that we're slow to get angry, right? And we see bearing with one another. That's what love is. And forgiving each other, love is forgiving. Um, so, so love is what holds these, all these other virtues together into one super virtue. Listen, as I think of what is love, it reminds me of Jesus. All these qualities are Jesus, aren't they? They certainly don't describe me, but Jesus is compassionate, and Jesus is kind, and Jesus is humble, and Jesus is gentle and patient, and he bears with us, and he forgives us, doesn't he? And he's the one that enables us to live together in unity. So really what we're putting on is more and more of the character of Christ, so let me give you a definition for love. It's always important that we understand what we're talking about. It tells us to put on love. So love is something that we do. So to me, love is choosing to do what is best for someone else. Love is choosing to do what is best for someone else. And someone would say, well, isn't love an emotion? Sure, love is an emotion. But love is so much more than an emotion. It's something we put on. It's choosing to do what is best for someone else. Let me illustrate that for you. In 1 John chapter 3, we know love by this. So how do we know? How do we know that Jesus loves us? The Bible tells us we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, that Jesus loved the Father, and he loved you and me, and he did, he did what was best for us by going to the cross and dying for us, right? If we want to know what love is, all we have to do is see Jesus naked on the garbage dump, bearing our sins, and we say, we know what love is. We know what love is, that he laid down his life for us. Jesus chose to do what was best for us. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to because we know what love is. Now we know how to put on love because we've seen it, right? That we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now listen carefully. Our culture believes, our culture believes that love is never hurting someone else's feelings. Our culture would define love as never hurting someone else's feelings. But Jesus, no, no, Jesus believed that love is to keep people from bumping into reality. And he saw us headed to hell. And so what he did is he went to hell for us so we would never have to. Jesus chose to do what was best for us because he wanted to keep us from bumping into reality. So if we're going to put on love, we must understand that, that love is choosing to do what's best for someone else. Now that brings us to the second question, if we're instructed to put on love, is how do we put on love? How do we put on love and... <clears throat> I thought I would show you how rather than tell you how. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to one of my favorite stories in the Bible in Luke chapter 7. I, I want to show you how to put on love rather than telling you. In Luke chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 36. Now one, of the, now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. 
and there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. So there's going to be three characters in the story, three characters in the story, and I've taught you who's the main story, who's the main character in every story? Jesus. So one of the characters here is Jesus. And so we have Jesus, he's the main character, and then we have a Pharisee, we have a religious person, and then we have a woman, and she's a sinner, which really means she was a prostitute. So a religious person invites Jesus over for dinner, and, and a prostitute shows up. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Here's a lady who put on love, and she loved Jesus. Oh, don't we see it? She, she wiped his feet, she kissed his feet. And do you know what she had to endure for that? She knew that when she entered in that room, every person in that party would condemn her because she was a prostitute. But she didn't care because she loved Jesus. Now, when the, Pharisees who had, the Pharisee who had invited her saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And listen, the Pharisees believed in second-degree separation, and that is not only were you not to sin, but you weren't to hang around with sinners. So it wasn't enough not to be a prostitute. You shouldn't have anything to do with a prostitute. So how could Jesus be anyone and let a prostitute get near to him? And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, and he replied, Say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So a denarii would have been a day's wage. So let's put it in today's term. If you were fairly you know, successful, that would be $200,000 would be the 500. Uh, two years wages and then, and then the uh, 50 would be uh, like uh, $20,000. Still a significant amount, but not nearly as much as the $2 million. Uh, when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Uh, he didn't like giving the answer because he knew what the answer was, right? And Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Let me ask you a question. Who are you in the story? Who are you? Are you the, the Pharisee? I mean, he invited Jesus over for dinner, and I mean, he liked him, he had him over for dinner. Is that you? 
I mean, do you go to church when it's convenient and maybe you even think you're doing him a favor? You throw a little money in the offering basket every now and then. Is that you? Or are you the woman? So overwhelmed by how much Jesus loved her that she was willing to endure the scorn of her culture to wipe his feet with her tears. Who are you in the story? Who are you? And let me ask you, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Hmm? Do you want to be like the woman? Jesus gives us the key. He gives us the key. In verse 47, for this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven her, for she loved much. But he was forgiven little, loves little. When people are forgiven a little, they love little. But when people are forgiven much, they love much. Do you know the difference between the woman and the Pharisee? It wasn't that one had sinned much and one had sinned a little. You know what the difference was? She was aware. She had seen Jesus. She had seen her sin. And she had experienced the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ. And that changed everything. And you know what? The, the Pharisee, he'd not seen Jesus. He had not seen his sin. He didn't even need a Savior, right? Oh. We can only love when we've been loved. And when we, we can only love to the extent that we've been loved. And when we see someone like this woman who loves well, we know that she's been well loved. And when we see someone who loves extravagantly, like this lady loved extravagantly, one thing we know, she's been loved extravagantly. Have you? Oh. How do we put on love? How do we put on love? We believe the gospel. We believe the gospel. And what does that mean for me? What that means for me is two things I'm convinced of. First is I am a great sinner, and secondly, I have a great Savior. Those are the two things that I am very, very convinced of. Um, you know what changed my life? What changed my life was the love of Jesus Christ. I grew up believing that God was like Santa Claus, that God was like Santa Claus. Did you? That I believed that God loved good boys and girls. And... Um, and that bad boys and girls were in trouble, so you better be good. But I wasn't very good at being good. If you're old like me, there used to be a magazine called Highlights for Children. And in it, it described two boys. One was Goofus and one was Gallant. What I found is every time I read the magazine, I was Goofus and not Gallant. And I thought, God's like Santa Claus. He loves good boys and girls, and I am in big trouble. And then one day, someone shared with me the most amazing thing I ever heard, the gospel. You know what he shared with me? Jesus loves bad boys and girls. That was the best thing I ever heard in my life, that Jesus loves bad boys and girls. There was hope for me. There was hope. I perked up. I listened. And you know what he shared with me? He shared with me the bad news of the gospel, that I was a bad boy, but I wasn't the only one, that we're all bad boys and girls. Did you know that? Oh, listen in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the... Who? The ungodly. Jesus didn't come to help good boys and girls get better. He, he, he didn't. No, no. You see, the Bible says that we are ungodly, that we are sinners, that every one of us has been a bad boy and girl, and we have committed crime after crime against God, and what we deserve from God is God's wrath, which is hell itself. 
And notice this, not only are we ungodly, but we're helpless to save ourselves. That's the bad news, that we are helpless and, and ungodly. But here's the good news. Listen, Christ died for the ungodly. That Jesus loves bad boys and girls so much that he put on flesh and came to earth to save them. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. I mean, for a good boy or girl, right? Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God, what makes God so amazing is he demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All my life, I had heard that God loves good boys and girls. And then someone shared with me about Jesus who died on the cross for bad boys and girls. And that changed everything in my life. He died for my sins because he loved me. And he didn't stay dead, he rose. And you know what? He pursued me. And he said, I want to forgive you. Let's do life together. Let's do eternity together. I want to love you so well that you can love others. And you know what he required of me? That I believe in him. Have you? Oh, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. You, you know, it's not enough just to say God loved the world. Listen, it says, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son not to help good people get better, but to die for bad boys and girls so that people who had messed up could be forgiven and experience the love of God and live forever, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, my young life leader shared with me the way I receive this gift is to admit and believe and commit. It's as simple as ABC. And, and if you never have, won't you? Wouldn't you like to be forgiven? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to do life and eternity with Jesus? Wouldn't you like to experience his love now and forever? Then listen, right now, if you'd like, or, or I'll be glad to help you when we pray, but admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry, I've not been a good boy. I've not been a good girl. I've sinned against you. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And then we commit, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Huh. Won't you? And you know what happened when I did that? Jesus moved in. You know what he did? He forgave all my sins. You know what he said? I'm never leaving. Listen, we're going to be friends forever. Do you know he knows everything about me and he still loves me? Is that incredible? Most people know a little about me and they don't like me. He knows everything. And you know what? He's promised to get me safely home. So how do we put on love? How do we put on love? We believe the gospel. How do we put on love? We preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We preach the gospel to ourselves and look for opportunities to share it with others. Why do we need the gospel every day? Because every night when we go to bed, we forget the gospel, don't we? And so when I wake up in the morning and I have breakfast with Jesus, I'm always reminded of two things. First of all, I am a great sinner. And secondly, I have a great Savior. Whenever I meet with Jesus, I'm reminded of how flawed I am and how loved I am at the same time. And, and that's so important. I mean, how do we put on love in 1 John 4, 19, or 4, 19? Listen to this. We love, why? Because he first loved us. So the more we experience the love of Christ, the more we're able to love. And how do we experience the love of Christ? We see how flawed we are. And then we see how amazing our Savior is. 
And that's what overflows through us in being able to put on love. Uh, So how do we put on love? We believe the gospel, and then we continually preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again. We love. We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. And uh, so what would it look like then? What would it look like then for us to, to put on love? What would our lives look like? At Good News, we want to make disciples. And, and we've defined a disciple as a follower of Jesus. And people say, well, what would that look like? And we've said disciples are those who have three great loves. They love Jesus, and they love one another, and they love the lost. So if we put on love, what would our lives look like? We would have a growing love for Jesus. Do you? Um, now, <clears throat> we love. Why? Help me. Let's try that again. We love. All right, so listen to this. We love Jesus. We're going to get there. We love Jesus. Ah. So imagine what our lives would look like if we really were convinced He loved us. You know what our lives would look like? We would look like the woman we just read about, wouldn't we? You ever wonder what pastors dream about? I dream of a church filled with people just like this woman. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven loves little. Oh, I dream of a church where people understand they have been forgiven much and they love much and they love Sundays because they love to come and worship Jesus. They know there are so many things in life that break his heart. So when Jesus comes each Sunday, they want to be there just like this woman, to love him with all their heart, to sing to him, to give gifts to him, to say, speak, I want to hear your word. You know what I dream about? I dream about us getting up in the morning. And when we see Jesus sitting at at our breakfast table before we rush off to the day, we, just like this woman, we spend time with him because we love Jesus because he first loved us. Oh, I dream that we follow him. We follow him. You know why? Because he first loved us. Let me show you that. In 2 Corinthians um, In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. So is that his love for us or is that our love for him? It's both, isn't it? He loves us and then we love him and that changes everything. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. It's the love of Christ that changes people's lives. Listen, when Jesus captures our hearts with his love and he says, give me your hands and feet, we gladly do. Listen, are you struggling to follow Jesus? Then say, Jesus, open my eyes to see how flawed I am. Open my eyes to see your love for me. And when his love captures your heart, you'll follow him. Are you stuck in a sin? The only way to overcome a sin is with a greater love. 
The only way to overcome a sin is with a greater love, the expulsive power of a new and greater affection. If you want to overcome sin, ask Jesus to open your eyes, to see your sin, to see his love, and his love will free you from your sin. Ah, a growing love for Jesus. That's what our lives would look like if we put on love. You know what our lives would look like? We would have a growing love for one another, a growing love for one another. Again, in 1 John 4, it says we love, why? So we love one another. We love one another. Uh, we don't love each other because people are lovely. We love because he first loved us. And I know some of you say, well, Smiley, why do you always say one another? Why don't you just say love God and love your neighbor? Because the Bible spends so much time talking about how we love one another in the body of Christ. The passage we're reading in Colossians is primarily about loving one another. Let me show you. Colossians 3, what we've been reading. Uh, and so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another. Whenever you see the word one another, it's talking about in the church. Yes, we're to love our neighbor. Yes, we're even to love our enemy. But every time you see the one anothering in the Bible, it's talking about in the church. And you know where that starts? It starts in our family. We're bearing with one another in our family. And then in our wider family, in our small group, and then in the wider, in the church, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against Anyone, just as the Lord had forgave you, so also forgive you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love not only unites all the virtues together, it's love which keeps our family together. It's love which keeps our church together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let me show you another great one-anothering passage. In Galatians chapter 6, Verses 9 and 10, let us not lose heart in doing good. You're leading a small group. Uh, don't grow discouraged. You're helping out in kids' ministry. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and what? Especially those who are of the household of the faith. We're especially called to love one another. That's why we put on love, so that we can have a growing love for one another. I'm sure all of you remember our walk through 1 Peter last year, right? Now, look at 1 Peter 4. Above all. Now, don't look at the rest of it. Just imagine, what do you think, what do you think Peter would say, above all? Read your Bible. Cut your pastor's yard. But notice what it says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. What he's saying is if we're a disciple, we have this dashboard. We have a dashboard and there's three, there's three different displays. There's our love for Jesus and we need to keep our eyes on that. There's our love for one another and keep our eyes on that and there's the love for the lost. And what he says above all, which one do we look at? We look at our love for one another. Is that true of us? Are we crazy in love with one another because the Bible says above all things else, love one another. Um, now, 
Keep fervent in your love one another for love, because love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, are you married? You know what it takes to have a good marriage? It takes two really good forgivers. Do you know how you become a good forgiver? You experience forgiveness, and then you give it. If you're having a hard time forgiving your spouse, what you need to do is say, Jesus, open my eyes that I might see my sin, and then open my eyes that I might see what a great Savior I have. Do you know what it takes to enjoy a, a church family? You know what it takes? A church full of really good forgivers. And how do you get a church full of really good forgivers? It's made up of people who've been forgiven much. Notice what it says, that if we're involved in a family or a church, we're going to be disappointed, hurt, let down, not once or twice, uh, what, a multitude of times. How is it possible? How is it possible to forgive a multitude of times? We can only forgive a multitude when we've been forgiven a multitude. Have you? <laughs> if you don't think you have, just ask Jesus to open your eyes, okay? Just ask him to open your eyes to see your sin, okay? And, and open your eyes to, to see your Savior. And as you're forgiven much, you can love much. So, listen, when we put on love, it, we have a growing love for Jesus. We have a growing love for one another. We have a growing love for the lost. You say, who are the lost? They're people who don't know Jesus. I mean, do you see people in our culture who maybe irritate you and bug you? You know what would change that? To realize they're lost. And when people are lost, what do they do? They, they move in all kinds of crazy directions. Why? Because they're lost. And we love lost people. Why? Because Jesus first loved us. Oh, Jesus is praying for us in John 17. He's, he's praying for us. And in John 17, 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And so the more we understand why Jesus came, and, and why did he come? He came to seek and save bad boys and girls, right? He didn't come to help good people get better, did he? He came to seek and save bad boys and girls. When we understand that, then we can understand that he sends us out not to help good people get better. He sends us out to share the life-transforming message that Jesus loves bad boys and girls. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Listen, Jesus doesn't send us out as good people to tell other people, you need to become good like me. He sends us out as one beggar to another beggar. Hey, we found bread. We found bread. Are you hungry? We found bread. Oh, in 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1, verse, verse 15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Jesus didn't come to help good people get better. He came to seek and save sinners, even me. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who believe in him for eternal life. When we love lost people, we're compelled to, to take the gospel to them. I don't know about you, but when I look around our nation, my heart is broken, isn't you? We have leaders in our country who seem intentional about dividing us and separating us, and that breaks my heart. How do you think that'll end? And you know what Jesus does? Jesus sends us out with the gospel. 
He sends us out to share with people the incredible good news of the gospel. It is exactly what our culture needs to hear at this time. The gospel teaches that all people are made in the image of God. All people. Our culture needs to hear that. Listen, our, our message is that we have a sin problem, not a skin problem. That everyone in our country is flawed. He sends us out to share that everyone needs Jesus. There is so much that unites us. We're all made in His image. We all have a sin problem. And we all need Jesus. So this week, when you're out and someone's sharing about how divided our nation is, just say, hey, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? You know what we learned? We have so much in common. We're all made in His image. We all have a sin problem. We all need Jesus. And you know what happens when people believe in Jesus? He not only reconciles us to God, but He also reconciles us to one another. Don't you want to be a part of the healing of our nation and not the fragmenting? Oh. Man, I'm so thankful to be a Christian, aren't you? And so what have we learned today? We've learned what? To, to put on love. And what is love? It's choosing. It's choosing. It's something we put on to do what's best for others. How do we put it on? We preach the gospel to ourselves. We believe the gospel and preach the gospel to ourselves. And the result of that is a growing relationship, with, a growing love for Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if we were all like the woman this week, that we loved him, treasured him, and followed him, and the love of Christ was freeing us from sin and freeing us to follow him? that we loved one another, that we were willing to love and forgive and bear and be compassionate with one another. Oh, wouldn't it be great that we were so full of the love of Christ that we went out and shared with others the word that changed my life that so many people in our culture desperately need to hear. And you know what it is? Jesus loves bad boys and girls. You know what? He even loves me. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful. You're so different because you love bad boys and girls enough that you would leave heaven and, and live a perfect life and die in our place on the cross. Thank you. And, and thank you for rising. Listen, if you've always thought Jesus only loved good boys and girls and today you understand that, that no, he loves bad boys and girls and you'd like to be forgiven and live with him forever, he's here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Lord, I pray for those of us who believe the gospel that we would preach the gospel to ourselves over and over this week, that we would remember, remember that we're loved, we're flawed and loved at the same time. And I pray that we would be like the woman we read about, that we would love you, treasure you, want to follow you, that we would experience your love freeing us from sin. Lord, that we would love one another well, that we would forgive each other well because we've been well-loved and forgiven. And oh, Lord, 
I pray that you'd send us out this week, that you'd send us out this week to share the wonderful good news of the gospel this week, that Jesus, that Jesus loves bad boys and girls. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Let's stand. <clears throat>